Hello and welcome to Still a Nurse Podcast. I am your host, Tristan, a registered nurse, wife, and mother. Join me as I set out to discover everything the nursing profession has to offer. Through conversations with other nurses, we will take an insider's look at common nursing positions and explore alternative career paths few know about. We'll discuss the highs and lows of nursing, how to love your work and prevent burnout, career advancement strategies, relevant current events, continuing education to improve your skills, and along the way, we'll hear amazing stories that are heartbreaking, inspirational, or hilarious. Let's have some fun. Hello, Still a Nurse listeners, and thanks for tuning in to yet another episode of Still a Nurse Podcast, um, and welcome to the year 2023. I'm excited to have our first episode here out for the new year. Today I have with me Mindy and she is a nurse I just recently met and I'm really looking forward to hearing her nursing adventure and stories. And Mindy, thank you so much for joining us today and for being willing to share with us. Of course. All right. Well, let's just turn the time right over to you. Why don't you give just a little introduction about yourself, um, who you are and maybe which area of nursing you're working in and what drew you to nursing in the first place? Sure. So um, I am married. I've been married for 30 years. This year is our anniversary. And we have four children together. Um, They range from 26 down to 14. And I always wanted to be a nurse, always, always from the time I was young and had big plans to be a nurse. And when I had graduated from high school and was going to apply to nursing school, I got a job as a EMT. And just before I started the classes to do that job, um, I witnessed a horrific car crash, um, auto pedestrian crash with one of my friends. And um, my friend ended up being killed. And at that point, I just, I couldn't do it. I just, I couldn't be the first responder on the scene. All of my family tried to talk me out of dropping that class and, you know, kind of, squashing my nursing dreams, but I just knew with inside me, I could not do it. So I went a totally different direction. I became a dental assistant and was a dental assistant for several years. Um, then got married, then had kids quit being a dental assistant and was a stay at home mom. And when our first two girls, um, started to get old enough that they were graduating from high school and going on to college, I started to have that I need to do something with my life feeling. And um, my husband encouraged me to go back to school. So I went and became, got my CNA and thought maybe that would be, you know, good and fine, which it was, it was good and fine. But I longed to do the nursing, not just being the aide. So I went back to nursing school uh, at the age of 47 and actually I was 45 when I went to nursing school and then, um, graduated with my degree at 47 and became a nurse in wow. labor and delivery. Yeah. I'm a labor and delivery nurse. It's so fun. That is awesome. And, um, wow to how you got to that point, <laughs> right? It was kind of a really long time, but we're finally here. <laughs> it was, but I mean, what a tragic event to have to go through first and kind of give you a different, different path than what you expected, but it sounds like it was still a good one with the whole, uh, dental assisting and everything. Yeah. Yeah, it did. And do you think that dental assisting at all helped in kind of preparing you for nursing school and nursing at all, or is it just so totally different that it was just a nice side? 
stop? Um, no, I think, I think it did in a lot of ways. Um, you know, when you're a nurse, you have to interact with people and touch people and talk to people. And uh, that dental assisting did help break that barrier. I know that sometimes can be really hard for brand new nurses. Um, I didn't have that problem. Well, that's great. And I think it's cool yeah. that you're able to transfer from one area of medicine to a different one and still carry some skills and knowledge over. Um, and it just shows that that can be the case. So you don't feel like you have to be stuck in one area. You can. Oh, you can absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Really cool. So um, how was it doing nursing school? Can you talk to us a little bit about that experience? Cause it was later than you originally anticipated. Oh yeah. It was, you know, it, it was, it was rough. I'm not going to lie. It was rough. Um, not only is nursing school just intense and a lot, but um, I graduated in 1990 before cell phones, before computers, before any of that from high school. So to then transition to college where everything is done on the computer, like there's no paper assignments, everything is done on the computer to upload, to turn in. Uh, it was rough. It really was rough. And um, I was lucky enough to have a lot of younger, I'm going to say ladies, in my nursing class with me that were more than willing to sit down with me and show me how to do all that stuff, how to open Canvas, how to upload stuff. Um, very sweet, very kind um, people that uh, are forever friends because we went through nursing school together and, you know, could study together and they helped me on the computer and I helped them maybe, you know, because I had a little more life experience could help them in other ways, but they truly helped me, you know, get through nursing school. That is really neat. And I appreciate you sharing the hard as well as the good. Um, how was it going to school? Cause I assume your kids were still in school at the time too, right? So how was that doing uh, helping them with their school and actually being in school yourself. It, it, that was also a challenge. Um, but again, it was it was kind of fun because they knew mom had homework. And so a lot of times we just would do homework together. Um, you know, at the table, it just became a, a night of homework. And um, thankfully, my kids were old enough to know that it was, you know, super important. Like I didn't have babies or toddlers. I, you know, I had a, a boy in third grade and a girl in sixth grade. And um, my oldest was serving an LDS mission and my second was in, or second to oldest was actually in college. So I just kind of had the two at home and thankfully I had, um, a great support system in my husband who works from home. So that made it really nice to be able for me to, you know, go and do the classes at the school and then be able to come home and spend a little time with the kids, but then again, be able to take, you know, the evenings, um, to study and do all that it requires. That's really great. Um, would you mind telling us which school you went to and uh, if you'd recommend it, what you would recommend about it? So I went to, at the time it was called Ameritech um, and it's, you know, the nursing school. Um, you know what, it, it's in 18 months, you can have your um, ADN. And yes, I do recommend it if you have, it's very expensive. So if you have the money to do it, and at the time I didn't have a lot of time because I was older, I didn't want to have to go to the traditional four-year school where I did all my, G, you know, my GEs and then had to apply to the nursing school and hope I got in. So I went the other route and had a little bit more money and went, you know, straight into nursing school where they kind of just handed you your GEDs and you kind of did it all, or your generals, and you kind of just did them all at the same time you did your nursing. Um, 
So I graduated in the 18 months, I think it's 20 um, months with my ADN. And then you can work anywhere in, in nursing with your associates. You don't have to have a bachelor's to work, you know, like if you want to do ICU, you can still do ICU with just your two-year degree. Um, and then went on to finish my bachelor's through Ameritech as well. It, to, it is my knowledge that Ameritech has changed their name to Joyce University. Um, again, it, every school has its quirks and every school has great and good and bad. But um, for my situation, it worked out really, really well. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think that's valuable information for those who are looking for something outside of the university setting. Um, So it's just valuable to hear other people's experience. So thank you. Um, So tell us a little bit about your job in labor and delivery. Is that your first job you've had there? And have you stuck in that area? Or did you kind of jump around a little bit after you graduated? Nope. I, I knew, I, again, being as old as I was, I knew exactly what I wanted to do, which was really helpful in some ways and detrimental in others. Um, you know, in nursing school, you get to do all the things. You go through all the rotations and do all the things. Um, but I really, really wanted to do labor and delivery. I had a great labor and delivery nurse um, with my first baby, and it was a little bit rough and rocky. And um, well, forever, I still remember her name 26 years later. Her name was Kathy. And, um, I just always wanted to do that always, always. And so it was really helpful in nursing school so that I could focus and do, but it made it harder to do all the other rotations because I didn't really care. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so I was lucky enough to get a capstone in labor and delivery. And then as we all know, that counts as experience. And so then when I graduated, I had a little bit of experience under my belt and I was actually hired right into labor and delivery and have stayed in labor and delivery and have loved it. That is really awesome. Um, I didn't realize that the capstone counted as experience. Mm, I mean, it makes total sense, but I hadn't really made that connection. (laughs) And some schools, you know, depending on where you go to school, depends on how many capstone hours you have to do. Um, I can't remember. Is mine, was mine 110 hours of, it's, it's like free labor, right? You go and you work for wherever you get your capstone and, and you work the same 12 hour shifts that all the nurses do. You just don't get paid to do it. It's, it chalks up as just experience, which is really great for, you know, the person that's doing the, the capstone, because then you at least get a little bit of taste so that when you go and apply for a job, you can say, yes, I have experience. I worked for, you know, three months in this job. So it, it, it's super helpful. If that's what you want, if you know what you want to do, try really hard to get a capstone in that area because they will hire you. They have a more, you have a better chance of being hired in that area if that's what you truly want to do. That's great advice. Um, so how was the transition from a new, new nurse to the floor? I mean, you already worked there, so everybody knew you, I assume. So it probably wasn't Actually, as bad. I, got, but... I didn't get hired in the same place I did capstone. Okay. Isn't that funny? Yeah. So yeah. I did capstone. Um, and the reason I didn't get hired was because in labor and delivery, you have to pick up a call shift in your, you know, time that you're there. So at the hospital, I currently work at, they have your schedule comes out in a four week chunk. And in that four week chunk, you have to pick up 12 hours of call. So, and the rule is, is that you have to be able to get there within a half an hour from the time they call you. So like I was on call on Saturday, they called me at 10 o'clock. So I had to be there by 1030. Um, the hospital I did my capstone at, I, I live too far away to be oh, able okay. to get there in a half an hour. So they wouldn't hire me because of that, which is unfortunate, but I totally understand. 
um, you know, when you have, when they need help on the floor like that, you need to be able to get there quick. So, um, but I was hired at a different hospital and it worked out really, really well. That's fantastic. But so the transition was rough. Yeah. I was <laughs> it was, ask you that. know, <laughs> the transition was rough only because um, labor and delivery is very unique in the fact that you are in charge of two patients, not one. Um, so, and one of the patients you can't even see. So you're relying on monitors and, um, you know, just know how to keep both patients alive when it comes to that. And it's a steep learning curve. And I will tell you that I probably cried every day I went to work just out of distress and fear. And, you know, what if I make a mistake and somebody dies? I think everybody does that the first year they go to nursing school. So it took me probably about a year before I finally was just really okay with what I was doing. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that info though, because I, um, admit that I cry way too easily. <laughs> so oh, that's a fear that yeah. I would have. <laughs> like the water. Yeah, no, I, I, I labor, like I said, labor and delivery because it's a specialty, you know, mm-hmm. um, it just, it's a steep learning curve and they do, some hospitals do it different than others. The hospital that I was hired into, they put me straight into labor and a lot of hospitals actually will start you in postpartum, mm-hmm. uh, which is after they've had the baby and you kind of take care of baby and mom. And it's not as stressful as an and intense as labor itself is. So a lot of times they'll like orient you into postpartum and you come do postpartum for a couple of months and kind of get your feet wet and, you know, know some of the things, and then they train you into labor. And it's a, it's a good three month, 12, 18 week process to orient into labor. Um, but I think if you do it that way, you're a little more confident in your skills where I was a brand new nurse and went straight into labor. It, it was rough. I'm not going to lie. It was rough. Yeah. That sounds a lot harder. Actually. I think I'd prefer the mm-hmm. postpartum easier way. Yes. In. <laughs> yes. yes. So is that just because they needed someone right then and there, I assume. And so it was like, we don't have time for this other way. Yes. Yes. And the hospital that I worked at, it was um, considered LDRP, which is labor delivery, recovery, postpartum. And they get to stay in the same room for all of it. So oh. some hospitals, you deliver a baby on a floor and then and then you recover for two hours and then they move you to a different floor. Um, this hospital that I worked at, it was all on one floor. And so I did get to do some postpartum, but I had to do the labor first to get to the postpartum part. Interesting. You had to do the hard stressful before you got to, to the, the more hard stressful before I got to the little bit easier part of it. <laughs> oh, that's fun as a new nurse. Yeah. No wonder it was stressful. Yeah, stressed it for was, you. It was stressful. It, yeah. But, you know, now that I've done it for, I'm going on four years now, I finally am enjoying a lot more of it. And I don't, you know, because when on the drive to work, it was, what am I going to have? Am I going to have, you know, the induction that comes in or am I going to have something that's already laboring? Like you just start to think as women, we think way too hard and deep, but it just, uh-huh. yeah. Anxiety yeah. was real high. <laughs> Absolutely. So how did you, how did you manage that? Like I said, it was about a full year of dealing with that. Like how did oh, you yeah. keep it to where you were able to keep going in? Cause some people that just shut them down. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Just probably my love for wanting to do it, wanting to get good. The lady who trained me was phenomenal. And, uh, the first three shifts I had, you know, as, as she was my orienter and trainer and, um, the first three shifts I worked with her, they were brutal. They really were brutal, um, crash C-sections, crazy things that went down. And 
I came in the next week and she said, I'm really proud that you're here. She said, because that last week was really brutal. She said, they're not all that way. (laughs) So, um, you know, I don't know, just probably my love of wanting to do it. And I had gone through all nursing school and by darn, I was going to do this. So. Wow. I mean that I'm just picturing a Will Smith scene, I think from Independence Day where it punches an alien in the face. Welcome to earth. You basically had that. Uh-huh. It was welcome Pretty to LMD. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. That first oh, wow. day I, yeah, that for those first three shifts I worked, um, they were, I will never forget them. I came home and cried and said to my husband, I don't think I'm meant for this. I don't think I can do this. And, and, but I, I just kept going back, you know, you get back on the horse and you just keep doing the things and, and it's, now there's, I look at it differently because I know a lot more. And, and I think the first couple of shifts that I worked and they were crazy and awful. I had no idea what was coming now as a nurse, I can look at it and go, Oh, I need to prepare for this because this is happening. But those first couple of shifts, I I didn't have the ability to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think what great, but horrible learning experiences. Um, (laughs) Thank you for sharing the stories with us because <laughs> you picture your first job being like all this wonderful experience. Like I'm going to oh, learn so much. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. You don't mm-hmm. expect picture all the chaos happening right from the start. Yeah, no, And it so was total and complete chaos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it, it's organized chaos to the outsider <laughs> looking in. It looks like total and complete chaos, but as you know, the nurse and the doctors and the people on the floor, it's not, you know, exactly what you're doing and why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So um, I'm going to go to the different direction for a second here. Um, I just had a thought come to my mind as you're talking, you mentioned like you didn't know if you're going to have an induction come in or somebody who just in, is in labor naturally. Um, mm-hmm. I've always been induced with all six of my babies. So I'm just curious now, uh, is, is there a difference? Like is one kind of easier or harder versus induction um, and the just regular, you're going into labor naturally? Um, I don't know if it's easier or harder. It's usually just the length of time. Okay. So if you're a first time mom, never have had a baby before and you schedule an induction, um, it, it, chances are you're going to be in labor for a long time, Mm -hmm. um, 18 to 24 hours easily. Um, if you are a second time mom or more and you schedule an induction, it gets cut in half time-wise mm-hmm. just because your body's already done it before. It kind of already knows what it's doing. Um, but the person, if you're a first time mom and let's say your water breaks and you come in your, your ability to have a baby happens faster than if you walk in and we induce you to have, we make you have a baby. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. I just was curious because I haven't been yeah. on the natural on the other side. (laughs) What happens in that scenario? Sometimes, and, and, but sometimes you walk in and, you know, maybe you're dilated to a two, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and you're induced, at least your cervix is favorable to do that. If you walk in and you're, you know, hardly a fingertip, those are the ones that just last forever because we're Mm -hmm. kind of forcing your body to do something that's not really ready to do. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for answering my personal question there. Uh, <laughs> so can you share any stories with us from labor and delivery that you've experienced over the last few years? Um, so there's, you know, as you dilate and you, you get ready to push, if you have been a mom before, this is not your first baby. Um, and they don't really realize this, but 
the same muscles you use to push a baby out are the same muscles that you laugh or you throw up or any of those kind of muscles will push a baby out. And there have been lots of times when I have said, okay, don't laugh, don't sneeze, don't, you know, throw up because we'll have a baby. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I have actually had ladies laugh their babies out. It's hilarious. It's super, super fun. And it's a great experience, um, to have that happen. Um, you know, it's just funny and, and fun and it's, super exciting and it's not stressful at all. It's, it's really, really fun. Um, <laughs> and sometimes, you know, cause doctors normally don't sit on the floor when you have a baby. Um, they're usually in clinics seeing patients on a regular, you know, that they do every day. And so it's your job as the labor and delivery nurse to be their eyes and ears. And so as you know, things progress, you would call and update them. Hey, you know, um, she's a 10, can I start pushing? Like, is it convenient for you where you're at to come over and, you know, let's have a baby. And, um, I did have one doctor that I called and said, and it was a, it was a, she was a, they're called multips. If they've had a baby before they're called primips, if they haven't had a baby before. And she was a multip. And I said, you know, she's a 10 and the doctor said, Oh, I'll be right there. And I guess our perceptions of be right there were different because I ended up delivering that baby because she just, it was just funny. She just started to laugh and we were having a great time. And I was like, please don't push. And anyway, she's, I delivered that baby and the doctor walked in and was like, I, I said, I would be right here. I'm like, yeah, well, you took five minutes. So, <laughs> you know, you're across the street. You should have been here in two minutes. <laughs> um, so those, those situations are fun and exciting. And, you know, I don't know. I just think labor and delivery is just so much fun. Yeah, that's fun. I actually had never heard of laughing a baby out before. Oh yeah, no, I've heard of other often. things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never heard of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, no, fun. it happens. Or that's sometimes fun. they'll, you know, they get really nauseous, and it happens, mm-hmm. and they throw up, and they throw up, and they throw up, and the baby just can come right down and almost out when they throw up as well. Huh. So, yeah, that's really interesting. It's I'd those rather, same muscles. I'd rather laugh a baby out right be vomiting yeah. baby. No, that's that's way more fun that's way more fun than the other one <laughs> absolutely great um okay well let's try another story um how about one uh maybe that was a little bit more challenging but that you learned a great deal from something that was valuable but not maybe a pleasant experience so some people will come in and they very much have a plan on how they want their birth to go right? They're called birth plans. You can look them up on the internet. They'll give you ideas and how to do things. And sometimes they can be very frustrating as a nurse. And sometimes they can be very helpful as a nurse because it it lets me know what your expectations are as a patient. And sometimes um, they don't work hand in hand. Sometimes, you know, medical reasons, you can't do what you want. Baby's heart tones are down. And as much as you would love to have a vaginal birth, you it's, it's an emergent situation and we really need to do a C-section at that point. So sometimes it can be very, very frustrating. However, a lot of times, and I've had to learn this over, you know, a couple of years of, of being a labor and nurse, if you can manage their expectations and make it a good experience for them, a lot of times that's that power of your mind over your body and, and you, they can do it. Um, There'll be times when I, in my mind, I think there is no way this lady is going to be able to have this baby. She's going to end up in a C-section. She's not going to be a good pusher, whatever you can kind of formulate in your mind. If you can help her achieve her birth plan or her expectations, nine times out of 10, she can do it. 
and she will be able to have that baby. And that has been proven to me time after time, after time, after time, when they come in and they, they, you know, they would like soft music or low lighting or, you know, soft talking, whatever, whatever it is, if you can make that happen nine times out of 10, she can have that baby. That's really interesting. Do you have any specific examples of that by chance that I'm just curious of what that looks like in any case? So like you can come in for what's called a side attack induction. So let's say your cervix is not favorable at all. There's a um, drug that we use called Pitocin to augment your labor to make your contractions start. That's what an induction is, is we do something to make you start to have contractions. But sometimes your cervix isn't favorable for Pitocin. So they start with Cytotec, which is a medication that they put up right in your vagina, right next to your cervix that helps soften it and help it ripen, they'll call it. Um, And so a lot of times when first-time moms come in and they start with a Cytotec induction, that's when they go, sometimes it's three, four days in labor. Like it's kind of ridiculous in my opinion, because by the time you get to the fourth day and you haven't eaten and you haven't slept, you have zero energy to push that baby out. And that's really when it, when you need the energy is when you get to the pushing, right? So this cute lady had come in and we had done Cytotec all night. You can do four doses of Cytotec, and then you have to wait 24 hours before you can do any more Cytotec. And so she had come in and she had not changed. Her vaginal exam had not changed. She was still exactly the same, which was a fingertip 50% and sky high. So when you do a vaginal exam, you can say like a lot of times it's like you're dilated to a five, which is the first number. The effacement is the second number. And then where the baby station is, is it in your pelvis? Is it not in your pelvis? Is the third number. So she was 0.5 dilated. She was 50% effaced and you need to be a hundred. So she was really thick. And then her baby was minus three. So not even in her pelvis at all. And so that's just not really great scenario to have a baby. And after the first 24 hours, she did the 12 hours of Cytotec. And then she walked the hallways, right? Walked and walked and walked and walked to try and get her labor started. And by the end of my 12 hour shift, she still was unchanged. And so the doctor came in and gave her the option to have a C-section or to go home and come back a couple of days later and try again. And she said, no, I want to just keep going. I want to go again with Cytotec. And the doctor was like, okay, if that's what you want, let's try it. And two and a half days later, she, her water broke and she had a baby. And it was a great, like she, it was just so great to see her succeed in what she really wanted to do. She had a beautiful little girl and, um, I could just see how proud she was of herself. And that does a lot for your self-esteem and your, you know, postpartum depression is a really hard thing. And I think had she gone a different route, I think she may have not done as well postpartum because she was so proud of the fact that she was able to achieve her goals by having a vaginal birth. Well, that's really interesting. I hadn't realized people could be on the floor that whole time waiting Mm -hmm. for labor to start. Like I had not heard of that before. Well, and she was what we call a medical induction. So she suffered with pregnancy induced hypertension. So she had really high blood pressure. She was, um, getting to be, um, preeclampsia, you know, those kind Mm -hmm. of things. So that's why when you have a medical induction come in, it's really hard to send them home because, you know, you, you deal with other issues and problems if you send them home. So that was one of the reasons she did get to stay as long as she did. And that's another reason why they offered a C-section because she was 
headed to, you know, eclampsia. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons the doctor was like, look, you're just not really, you know, doing, you're not in labor. <laughs> yeah. You're not, you're not there. So the goal is not achieved. Right. Not at all at this point. So, um, and, and you, you can't break water when you're not dilated enough. You know, you have to be dilated to at least a two in order to break water. And she wasn't even there. So you, there were just, we were just not very close at all in any way, shape or form, but she mm-hmm. was determined and she was like, well, what else can I do? And how can I do this? And they said, well, let's try another round of side attack tonight. And her water broke and she was having contractions. That's the other thing that was so frustrating is she was having the contractions. Mm-hmm. She just wasn't, her body's not cooperating, but once her water broke, it did. And I was just proud of her that she kind of held her ground and said, no, I really don't want to see section. And I really don't. And let's try and let's keep trying. And, and she did, and she had a beautiful baby girl and so happy for her. That's great. Thank you. I appreciate the um, specific example. That is helpful. Um, We are just about out of time here. So I'll just have you end with what advice or encouragement would you give someone who um, maybe is in a similar situation to what you were in always wanting to be a nurse, but not sure kind of like, should I go back? Is that something Um, I want to pursue at this point? I would say absolutely try. Absolutely try. And if it doesn't work, then you can at least say you tried and it wasn't for you. But um, I, I don't like living with the question of what if I had, what if I had done that? What if I had, you know, I, if you, if you at least try it and you, you say to yourself, no, I, I, this isn't for me, then you will never look back and say, I should have done that, or I should have tried that. Um, and nursing school is hard. We all know nursing school is hard and realize that half the stuff you learn in nursing school, you're never going to have to remember because it doesn't apply to you. Right. Um, once you take that NCLEX and pass it, dump half the stuff that doesn't, you don't have to remember. Um, you know, I'm labor and delivery, so I don't have to know what potassium does to your heart because I don't do that. Um, if somebody on labor and delivery needs heart issues, they will move her to a different unit until she's ready to deliver. And then we'll bring her back down and deliver her and send her right back to that unit. So, you know, there's, there's just lots of things that I think I went into it going, I'm going to have to remember all of this. This is crazy. I'm never going to remember all of this. Well, you don't have to remember all of it. You just have to remember what works in your field and realize there are so many different facets of nursing. You don't have to be a hospital floor person to be a nurse. You can be a doctor's nurse. You can work in a clinic. You can, you know, work in a spa. Lots of people go to nursing school and then they do Botox injections and it's fantastic. Don't give up your dream just because your first job isn't what you think it is either. You know, I would say absolutely jump in, do it and find what works for you because there's a million different facets of nursing that hopefully you can find that just make your life happy. Thank you, Mindy, so much for sharing those words of advice and your wisdom. I appreciate it. And I just love hearing all the insights that our nurses on here give. Thanks for tuning in for today's episode. I hope you learned something new about nursing from our guest. Be sure to check out the show notes for more information on this episode. If you like the content you heard today, be sure to tell your nursing friends about us. And please subscribe so you don't miss out on future content. Until next time, remember, you're still a nurse.